0: Father, this morning we come to you. We come to you in the precious, precious, precious name of Jesus. The name above every other name. Come to you through Jesus. Because he humbled himself to the uttermost. You lifted him to the highest. And gave him a name above all names. In that name we come to you, Father. Because there is nothing we can bring to you. It is by no other means we can come to you. We come to you by that name and pray this morning. Look at us with favor, Lord. Touch our ears, touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch us. That we may hear, we may believe, we may obey, and we may fulfill your purpose in each one of our lives. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, man, man. We've been looking at prayer and the word, everything that we study is connected with the kingdom of God. And we remember, I'm not going to that scripture, but remember we had looked at God speaking to Solomon on the greatest day in Israel's history. Okay, when the temple built by Solomon is dedicated, the presence of God had come that evening when God speaks to Israel or so, rather to Solomon and through, to Sol, through Solomon to Israel to and all of us, he would say tough times, terrible times would come to his people because they would turn away from him. And when that time comes, he gave us a format. That's God's format, God's principle. He says, if my people who are called by my name. It's only for, for his people. Others, no response. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, first. Second, pray. Third, seek my face. So today we will look at, in general, what we are looking at would be termed under seeking his face. God said seeking his face. He didn't say seek his hand. That is how we evaluate our heart. I can study the word intensely, religiously, put in a lot of sacrifice into studying his word, but I could be actually seeking his hand in my studies. I want certain things in my life, and I know very well God is able to do those things, and therefore I am seeking him, but I am seeking his hand to see what he can do for me, what I can get from him. I can be an intense prayer warrior, but my prayer intention at the core of it is to see what I can get from God. Okay, so here God is not talking about seeking His hand. Here God is talking about seeking His face. So therefore, everything we study in the Word of God, it has to come back to this. The will of God in our lives. That is seeking his face. That was, when they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he said, this is how you need to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, he said, is the core that holds the rest of the prayer together. Otherwise, the rest of the prayer, you take this out, then it becomes like anybody's prayer in any religion. But when you put that line in, the whole prayer changes because the prayer centers on that. Thy will be done. Therefore, Scripture says we are. This is the week today. The church worldwide celebrates as Palm Sunday, and next Sunday would be Resurrection Sunday. This is his, his, the final seven days in His life. But Scripture declares. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 onwards, it says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. When did he say this? We don't know. Sometime, I don't know exactly where he said it and when he said it, somewhere between the eternal gods stepping from the spiritual into the temporal, into our world from his though this is his world, but he doesn't live uh, manifesting himself personally in this world. When he stepped from the Spirit into our world, somewhere there he made this proclamation. I believe this is a proclamation because he became came into Mary's womb. Somewhere, I don't know exactly how it happened, but he made a declaration where all of heaven hurts. He says, I have come to do your will, O God. I've come to do your will. And everything in his life is centered around this one purpose. I have to do the will of my father from birth till death. Therefore, when he finishes it, it is an incredible declaration on the cross. It is finished. What did he mean? He said, I have kept your will. I've done it. I've finished. I have finished your will. I came for one purpose. This is the purpose for which I came. I came to do your will. And it is finished. Now, that should... Since our model is Jesus Christ and scripture talks to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, Jesus Christ, this should also be what centers in our life. So we'll say, is it possible? Yes, it is possible. Almost similar. On the road to Damascus... When Jesus meets Paul, Apostle Paul, then called Saul of Tarsus, when he asks the question, Who are you, Lord? And when he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, what is his response? What will you have me do, Lord? And Jesus says, It will be told you. What is your will for me? And how does he finish his life? It is finished. I have finished. The same. From the moment he understood, he met Jesus, he wants to know, what is your will for me? And Jesus said, it will be told you. Go to the city, it will be told to you. And three days later, he understands not all, but understands the purpose of his life. At the end of his life in Second Timothy, he will say, I have finished. Okay. So we learn patterns of living from scripture and from nowhere else. So if we are not interested in doing the will of God in our lives, then the word of God will be of no effect in our lives. Because the word of God, in the volume of the book, the word of God is connected with the will of God. Okay? If we have not, that's where a lot of people, I know people, my own households who have religiously read their Bibles all their life, like a religion, which the Christian does, the Hindu does, the Jew does, the Muslim does, they all do religiously. But they never even understood or fulfilled the will of God in their lives, because that was not the reason behind reading scripture. Behold, in the volume of the book, it is written. It was written about Him. And it is written about all of us who are genuinely born again because we are hidden in him. So we don't have a will outside his will. So if you are not interested in the will of God, the word of God will be of no effect in our lives. And if we are not interested in the will of God, we will also be not interested in a radical prayer life. Our prayer life will be very shallow and very flesh, very fleshly. We may pray. Everybody prays. Everybody prays, except for the atheist who prays when he dies. Okay. Okay. Just before dying, every atheist calls upon God. Okay. Uh, Most of them, at least. But other than that, everybody prays. The prayer is not connected with knowing the will of God. So our prayer. So when Jesus... They saw Jesus crying and weeping and his prayer and also they thought he will teach them something specific, special, something special. So they asked him, teach us to pray. And what did Jesus say? This is how you need to pray. It's all about God's will. Okay, so get this clear. If we are not interested in the will of God, our response to this and this book's response to us, there will be nothing. This is a living book. It responds. But it only responds to those who are living. And are seeking the will of God. If you are seeking the will of God, the word of God will speak. It will speak in whispers. It will speak in like a trumpet. Like John heard in Patmos, like a trumpet. It will speak because they were all interested in the will of God. And if you're interested in the will of God when you pray, you will hear. I pray God never speaks to me. Now go back and pray. And Lord, I want to really seek your will. Okay. Listen to Apostle Paul when he prays for the church in Colossae, in the book of Colossians, the church in Colossae, he prays. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He says, I always pray for you. Give thanks and pray always for you. Now if somebody were to say like, if I were to say that I pray for you always, all you will say is thank you pastor for praying for me. But we don't ask the rest, what did you pray for me? Paul also will mention that. Look at the next thing what he says. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is my, this is not a random prayer, oh Lord, keep them in good health and give them good jobs. He says, no Lord, this is my prayer for my church in Colossia, that they be, would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? Everybody in this church in Colossia, like every church, has a specific will of God defined in their life which they have to fulfill. And my prayer, he says, as a pastor, as an apostle, is that they are filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom. What? If I do not know the will of God, how will I walk worthy of God? That they may walk worthy of the Lord. Only if I know the will of God, I may walk worthy of men, the approval of men, the aspirations of men and everybody, but not worthy of God. If I have to walk worthy of God, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, there is one thing. I need to have the knowledge of His will for me. Knowledge of His will. And that should be our prayer. Lord, I want to know Your will. That's why the Lord's prayer is very, very clear. Thy will be done on earth as it is in, It is not that thy will be done on earth. But there is a comparison given. How should it be done on earth? As it is in heaven. In heaven, only God's will happens. Nothing else happens in heaven. Everything happens according to the will of God. Specific will of God. Okay. Why is it important? Because in Matthew 7 and 21, Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but you does the will of my Father in heaven. He says, knowing and walking the in the will of God is important because it is connected with your entering into heaven and your life in heaven. We also saw Jesus will put spirit above flesh and blood. We put flesh and blood above everything else. Jesus put spirit above flesh and blood. So he will say, in heaven, in the kingdom of God, relationship is defined by this. He who does the will of my father. It's defined by only that. So in Luke... Chapter 8, 20 and 21, when his family comes, when it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you, he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. He says no. He says, in the kingdom of God, relationships are defined by one thing. Are we doing the will of God? Who hears and obeys. Understand this. Nothing outside the will of God pleases God. Nothing outside the will of God pleases God. So if you please God, it doesn't matter whom you displease. If you have doubts, ask Pastor Moses. Book of Exodus. He displeased his family. He displeased his eldership. Ultimately, he displeased all his congregation. But he pleased God. And God said, look at that man, my servant. With everybody I speak in visions and dreams and prophecy with him. I'm so pleased I speak to him face to face. He pleased God. The other side of it is that in the same token, if you don't please God, in the end, it doesn't matter whom you please. Okay. That's where faith and prayer comes in. The word and prayer comes in. In Hebrews 11.6, scripture says without faith it is impossible to please possible Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith. And faith comes from the word and hearing the word of God. Meaning, that's a faith that comes only when the Holy Spirit comes upon the word. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot hear. Hearing. Faith comes from hearing and hearing spoken. The Spirit speaking. That's why Jesus said, my words are spirit. My words are spirit. Intellectual study of the word of God only give you knowledge It doesn't mean God has spoken. That is why we have to be entirely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to open scripture for us where he speaks. Where he speaks. We can do all of our Bible studies which is good. It is like knowing your text. But within the text there is a person who speaks. That is why throughout the book of Revelation God says all those who have ears let them hear what the Spirit of God says. He speaks through this. So that is from where faith comes. And then when it comes to prayer, again we know the... Common scripture, favorite scripture, like Romans 8, 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In prayer, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit is not partnering with us in prayer, again, our prayers, it's good to pray with understanding. Paul will say in Second Corinthians 14 that I pray with understanding, but I pray in, in the Spirit. And then finally he comes and says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He says, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. So praying or the word without the Holy Spirit, nothing is possible. Okay, so understand, this is all connected with the will of God. Otherwise, it becomes an academic study. First is this, Lord, I am interested in knowing you and knowing your will for me. Let us look at Jude. Okay, one of the young men in that portion in Luke, where his mother and his brothers had come. One of them was Jude. Okay, he was a cool dude then. Then later, after Jesus died and rose again, he got converted. Okay, and then he will write one epistle, the last epistle before the book of Revelation. And he has something to tell us in Jude 1, 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourself upon your most holy faith. Don't expect God to do everything. There is a part which man has to do. First thing he says, build yourself Okay, I have given you a measure of faith, a seed, mustard seed kind of faith by which you believed for salvation, grace came in and you were saved. Now build on that. Okay, You cannot build unless you have a foundation. The purpose of laying a foundation is to build on it. Nobody just makes a foundation and leaves it like that. There is always a purpose. The purpose of a foundation is to build a structure above it. So scripture says the foundation is Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith through grace, grace through faith and by faith alone and not by works. That is the foundation. Now on that foundation scripture says keep on building upon your foundation of your most holy faith. Okay, keep building. Second, praying in the Holy Spirit. You have to build your word life in faith. Keep building on it. Second, keep praying in the Holy Spirit. Third, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Four things he mentions. Build yourself in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. Oh, keep myself? I thought God always loved me. God is love. He cannot help loving. But I have to keep myself in His love so that I experientially know that God loves me. Okay? Experientially know that God loves me. In John chapter 14, verse 23 and 24, scripture says, Judas said to him, Lord, how is that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is connected to this question. Lord, how will you manifest yourself to me? Manifestation. Now, if I don't come here and you just put an audio message, you will listen to a message. But the person has not manifested himself to you. Okay? Now, Judas, not scared. the other apostle, is asking the question, how come you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He says, I will not manifest myself to the world. Why? Because they don't obey my commands. Therefore, they will never really know that I love them. God so loved the world. Does the world know? No. But it says, if anyone loves me, this is the proof. He will keep my word. And he will know me and my father. Because we will come and we will live in them. You will know me. You will be absolutely sure of my love. You will be absolutely sure. So that's what Jude is talking about. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. We have to keep ourselves. You know, there is a child. The child loves the father. More than that, the father loves the child. The child always look at a small little baby. Okay, Maybe the child always knows the parent loves you. Are not very sure about the child loves you or not because they don't know what it is to love. But if the child does something wrong, which you have told no, no, and he say hmm, then suddenly it's doubting. Does he love me or not? Okay. So how do you keep yourself in the love of your father? The father loves the child, but the child doesn't know the father still loves him or her when he is upset with him or her. So how does a child keep himself or herself in the love of the father? It is by keeping his word. He says, if you don't keep my word, what will happen to you is that you will never experience my manifest presence. I said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I said, I'll be with you till the very, very, very end. I'll be there with you. That's what Paul says in my first defense. Everybody left me. Everybody left. But it didn't matter to me. I forgive them. I don't hold them again. It also didn't matter to me because he says in the Roman courtroom, the Lord himself stood by me and strengthened me. Was it a physical thing? No, it was a spiritual thing. He knew God was beside him. God was beside him. That's what God is talking about. That we remain in the love of God. We obey and keep on obeying. And when we fail, repent and turn back and keep on. Remaining in the love of God. And then scripture says. Look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on looking for mercy. will come that to later. So if we seek and stay. Seek and stay in the will of God. Then the same word of God in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Gives us this assurance. Now this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, what do we ask? We know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. Because you have this confidence. That if you ask anything according to his will. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. His walk and his work. His prayer. Everything had one core. What is that? Behold, I have come to do your will. Therefore, all his prayers were answered. All his prayers were answered. Even in the garden of Gethsemane, when he prays one prayer that is slightly outside the will of God, he puts it right and says, but not my will, but yours be done. There was not a single prayer in the son's life on earth in the flesh, which was not met by the father. All prayers were answered Two, all the needs of Jesus to fulfill that will of God was miraculously supplied. Because he sought only the father's will, Every need according to the will was met. Miraculously. That is what would happen today. 2000 years or less years ago on Palm Sunday if you look at the portion. And look, it is written. And it came to pass when you drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a called tide on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Then you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way, found it just as he had said to them. Exactly. I'm here doing the will of my father. And in the will of the father, the appointed time has come when I should ride into Jerusalem on a donkey to fulfill a prophecy in the book of Zachariah, it is written, Zachariah, right? It's written, Behold, your king comes riding on a colt. It's written, Behold in the volume of your book, O Lord, it is written about me, I have come to do your will. And when the appointed time comes, he says, provision is there. I'm doing my father's will. I don't own a donkey, but my father in heaven owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And there is one donkey on which no one has written, has ever ridden, exactly as it has been written 600 years ago. There is that donkey over there. Tie him and come. And if the owner asks, tell him the Lord needs it. That's it. As simple. God says, this is how I want you to face life. That if you are seeking and walking in the will of God, 99% of your worries will go because 99 of our worries are con- connected with provision. Who will provide me this? How will I get a wife? How will I get a husband? And how will I have fees for my children with school? You know, it's all worries, worries about, basically about provision. Jesus never worried about provision because he said it will come. It will come. He's showing us how to love. He's showing us, teaching us, make corrections and love. He says, don't worry about provision. Just be concerned about one thing in your life. Oh Lord, what is your will for me? And God says, provision will come. If it is a donkey you need or a bike you need, it will be at the appointed place. Can you imagine you hearing from God, you're walking in the will of God, and then you call and say, Srikanth, come here, yes. Go to Domalgoda, in that house over there, there is a bike parked, and if you ask, tell him, the Lord needs, 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 needs it. Awesome, right? And he goes over there and he says, yeah, yeah, take it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Think! I mean, oh, God has jokes. I read about a pastor, who was in South America who had traveled all the way to Singapore or Hong Kong or somewhere for a one day seminar. He took it. He forgot his camera in the hotel room. He flew all the way back to South Africa and the poor pastor who had invited him over there, he didn't know, had been praying for months. He Brad, Lord, I want a camera because I don't have a camera. Lord, give me a camera. And this pastor reaches over there and he calls this pastor and said, you go to the hotel. I forgot my camera. You can take it and keep it. That's our God. Imagine, you have to start believing, Lord, April has come here. I haven't paid my taxes. I don't have money for taxes. And God says, go to Ishmael's chicken shop. Don't ask for cut pieces. Ask for that whole chicken. Bring it and cut it yourself. And inside you see a rolled up 2,000 rupee note. The chicken has swallowed. Why don't you believe? Isn't that what he told Peter? Go to the river or the lake, pick up the fish and you will find the coin inside which is for me and for you. We have to, how God does it, leave it to him. But believe he will do it. Believe he will do it. That's the fun of walking with God. I'm telling you, the fun of walking with God is he loves the surprise he sees on his children's face. I remember this kid, when he was small, and his sister, he was small, I wanted to surprise them. So I said, I booked my tickets, we are going to Kerala, to question. And this kids had no clue at all, because I don't tell them to surprise me. For me, the fun always comes in the surprise. So suddenly in the morning, I said, pack up your backpacks, we are going. They said, where are we going? I said, we are going to Vijaywada. Okay, So they packed. They didn't know we were flying. So we got, and they know the realization very well. We got into the auto, and... Went, and um, Sisters, this is not the way to the station, that is the way. I said, no, the train has already left, we have to get in from Bigampate station, then the airport was at Bigampate, okay. So then when we turned to the airport, they looked and said, we are flying. I said, yes, we are flying. Okay, we get into the, this thing and, uh, I'm making, I'm making them talk so that they don't listen to the announcement, okay. So we got on the flight and they have no idea this flight is going to Cochin. I'm just watching them, they are so excited, everything. And then, he is looking through the window and he looks and Kochin all the coconut trees and he is saying, Lala, do you know Vijayawada also has lots of coconut trees? <laughs> and I told him, shh, 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 because all the passengers will be looking, Vijayawada, Vijayawada, they are confused, okay? He <laughs> said, shh, 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 shh. Okay? So we reached Kochi airport, we got down, they got down and they, ah! <gasps> We are in Kerala. I said, we are in Kerala, okay? If I had told them all in six weeks earlier, pack your tickets, we are going on this thing leaving, we are going to Kerala, we are going there's no fun in it, right? The walk of faith is fun. Walk of faith is fun. Because you have to believe my father is in control. Father is in control. And he always has good things in mind, not bad things. Okay, not bad things. And there is fun walking with God if you believe at the end in the core. He's good. He loves me intensely and his will for me is good. Then there is fun in this walk. Okay, There may be trouble, there may be turbulence on the way, but don't worry. There is fun. So don't worry about things that is happening. Lord, I seek to do your will. Don't worry about the sin in the world, the rebellion in the world. God allows all that. But God is sovereign. Because his will will ultimately prevail. We don't get upset by all the things that is happening. Because we are one set of people who understand what is called the sovereign will of God. Which is not same as what is for us. But the sovereign will of God. Because we look at the world events and we know it is all moving towards. What does Revelation 11.15 say? If I am right. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ and it shall reign forever and ever. This is the sovereign will of God. So overruling everything that is happening we people Of God, who have been given the divine insight about the sovereign will of God. We know every event is moving towards this, the culmination of the will of God. Every kingdom of this world, including India, will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we don't get flustered when this, we get concerned. We pray because we know when this happens, salvation is over. Therefore, our concern is in a different direction. We pray with burden that this nation, people will hear and get saved. Because often we don't understand the sovereign will of God. Major events that are happening. We don't understand. But God says in Romans eleven thirty four, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counsellor? We sit and worry. What is Trump going to do? Next God says, you don't worry. That's not your problem. Oh, North Korea will it start a nuclear warfare. He says, don't worry. Lord, what should I worry about finding my will in your life? Don't worry about this. You don't, God says, I don't need a counselor. Moses had said this in Deuteronomy 29, 29. He had said, the secret things, the secret things belong to the Lord of God. There are a lot of things that are happening, which is hidden from our eyes. Don't worry about those things. That is not our concern. But there are things, a lot of things that he does not reveal. And he's under no obligation to reveal that is his sovereign will. That will always prevail. I'm telling you because you see posts on the internet. Christians are worried. First, for many years they worried if George Bush was the Antichrist. Then for eight years they worried if Obama was the Antichrist. Now another set has risen who's worrying whether Trump is the Antichrist. God says, don't worry about Obama, about Trump, about Modi, about Gaddafi, about Saddam Hussein. You don't worry about all these things. Why? Because I have written something about my sovereign will in Romans 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. The good, the bad, the ugly. If they get a chair, God has to allow it. And if God has to, have to allow it as far as people are concerned, we pray for them. We are not concerned. Only we understand it. The world doesn't understand it. The other religions don't understand it. That's why God's people do not take up guns to fight, to change regimes. God's people get on their knees and pray. And like the iron wall came down, it will come down on its own by the prayers of God's people without lifting a single hand. Because our God is sovereign and is in control. Because if we use bloodshed, then who lives by the sword will also die by the sword. What we sow, we will reap. So God's people have to learn this and understand everything in the light of what is revealed by God. Because even the devil has been established by God to fulfill God's purpose. Okay. God is not tempted by evil. But he uses evil to bring about good. Understand that. So there is this sovereign will of God. Don't worry about it. Then there is what is called the standard will of God. Okay? I'm using simple terms so children can understand. Which is common to all of us. For example, the Ten Commandments. It applies to everybody. There is standard. And there is specific. Don't confuse standard for the specific. Illustration, standard for a believer. What is that? Thou shall not be yoked with a unbeliever. That is standard. That means if you are a believing girl or a believing boy, be yoked with a believing boy or a believing girl. That is standard. That is not specific. Specific is which believing boy? If you are not willing to meet the standard will of God, you will not move into the specific will of God. Understand that. So there is a standard will of God for everybody. Standard will of God for everybody. Okay, But don't live in the standard. We need the standard, but don't live only in the standard. Why? Because God doesn't see you as a crowd. I see you as a crowd, but I also know the individual faces. That's why when you nod off, I call you by name. God deals with people as individuals, not just as crowds. Even though he sees the crowds following him, he will separate them as individuals. And that's why whenever crowds followed him, he turned around and said, You want to follow me? This, 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 this is what you... And the crowd suddenly became thin. And a few individuals were left. So he doesn't have issues with crowds, but he's looking for those individuals in the crowd who will move from the standard will of God to the specific will of God. Okay. This is consistent with God in the Bible. Standard will of God, let us fight. 32,000 people come. What did he tell Gideon? All those who are afraid, let them go. All those who are afraid, let them go. That's exactly what Jesus does. He looks at the crowds following him and says, you're following me? Okay, let me tell you. If any man loves his father, mother, brother, wife, children more than me, you are not worthy to follow me. 90% of the crowd says, are you, how can I leave Abba and Amma? God says, go. Are you my wife? She will kill me. Go. People who cross that line, he looks at them and says, unless you hate yourself, <gasps> pick up your cross. 99.9% gone. Okay, That's what God does with Gideon too. All those are fearful, let them go. Rest 10,000, he says, lead them to the water. And I will separate them with the word. The water is the word. By the time separation is all over, how many are left? 300. He said that's enough. enough. These are the ones who can move into the specific will of God and who will fulfill the purpose of God on earth. The others will live Standard will of God. It's fine. But they cannot do the specific will of God because they will not be separated. Are you getting the picture? Because they will buckle under pressure. They will go with the majority opinion. What? In the wilderness, remember the majority? Three people, specific will. The rest all into majority. Okay, that's why all governments, democratic governments in the world, what do they want? In the parliament during elections, what majority do they want? Two-thirds. Why? With two-thirds majority, you can change. The constitution. You can change the law. Uh, Pastor Vijay, if, what is the two-thirds of thousand? 666, the number of the Antichrist. Because with 2,000 majority, you can change the laws of even the most free nation. Understand that. The number, know the number, because when the Antichrist comes, in the book of Daniel is written, he will change the laws. And to change the law in democratic setups, you need two-third majority. There are hidden signs in the world. Don't forget it. Because the laws will be changed and the only laws of God will be changed. The only ones who will struggle are the ones who want to do the will of God. The will of God. Who lives are surrendered. Understand. There are things that are happening which God has prophesied in the word which will happen. And we look at it and we say, Lord, I want to be the minority. So you are not an accident. You are an incident. Okay? So there is the specific will of God. But unless we grow in the standard will of God, we cannot move into the specific will of God. The standard is what Jude is talking about. Once you start building up on your faith... Once you start building up your prayer life in the Holy Spirit, the specific starts becoming clear. There are two dangers here which I want to warn. <laughs> if you are seeking the specific without doing the standard, it will not work. If you are seeking the specific Without doing the standard which is very clearly and plainly written in the word of God for any child to understand. Do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, this, don't do this, this, this. If you don't do the standard, then you will not know the specific. Second danger, you do the standard. And you get a second danger, a big danger within the church. You do this standard, and you become very complacent in your spiritual life because you do this standard and don't realize there is a specific work for you. Most Christians are caught in the second. They're good people. They keep the standard, but they don't know what is the specific will of their lives. So know this: the devil always is trying to pull us. Away from the will of God. Always. Always. And God says your faith life and your prayer life should be tuned to know what God's purpose is in your life. Look at one man who was walking in the standard and in the specific will of God. God is working in his life. But look at him. In 1 Samuel chapter 27. And verse 1. David said in his heart. That's where it begins. Out of the heart proceeds all things in his heart. Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. And he goes and the verse 7 says how many days did he live there? Now the time David dwelt in the world the country of the enemy was one year and four months. Did you see? Sixteen months he lived in darkness. No standard will, no specific will. Why? Simply because he didn't believe. You know this incident is happening after God has moved so powerfully in his life. Powerfully in his life. Very, very powerful in his life. King Saul, he had got King Saul in his hand. King Saul was asleep. And his soldiers and he went over there, took the cruse of water and his spear and walked over. He could have killed King Saul. And then he cried out and said, What is this? And King Saul said, I am sorry, I have sinned against you. David, you are more righteous than me. He heard all this. God miraculously, not only always protecting from his enemy, but even gave him authority, power over the enemy, where he showed mercy and he heard from his enemy's own lips. You are righteous. Truly God is with you. Everything heard. And then he did this. Then he did this. So be careful. Be careful. Okay, be careful. When after great apparent victories, the devil never leaves you alone. Okay, be careful. He's trying to take you away from the will of God. So 16 months, neither standard will nor specific will. Outside the will of God. 16 months later, when he's revealed the standard, 1st Samuel 30. And David said to Abhyadar the priest, please bring the effort here to me. He said, bring. If you want, try to find the specific without seeking the standard, what you will experience is a deafening silence. For 16 months, what David had was silence when it came in his spiritual life. Do you remember what's the fourth thing Jude said in Jude one twenty one? Keep yourself and look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look for what? Mercy. Look for mercy. Hebrews 4.16 Come boldly, confidently, through the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Not grace. First, mercy. God says, obtain mercy. 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 Romans two four. Or oh, do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance. This is all part of his mercy. His kindness, his goodness, his mercy. That is what leads you to repentance. It's the mercy of God. It's a kindness of God that leads you to repentance. And then Romans 11.22 Therefore consider the Goodness and the severity of God on those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness. If you continue in His goodness. How do you continue in His goodness? By seeking mercy. Why do you seek mercy? Because you're constantly repenting. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Repentance is the doorway to continue in the mercy or the kindness of God. And David understands. David understands. And God was working in those 16 months. He was not looking at anything David is doing. He's bringing him to a point where he will come on his knees and cry out to God. Because you want to know the will of God? Remember. The will of God is not like a GPS. Or a road map. Cause that's what we want Lord, show me your will. And suddenly you got a new app on your phone called, ha, ah, this is the 77th app I have downloaded and it says the will of God. Now you put it on. Okay, it's very easy. This is what I have to do. God says no. It is not an app. It is not a road map. The will of God is based on a relationship. If you want to know the will of God, then focus on your relationship with God. That's why God says, seek my face. Seek my face. Draw near to God in faith and in prayer. He will reveal his heart to you. In faith and in prayer. Why is this important? Because doing the will of God is connected with trust. You cannot follow somebody you do not trust. You cannot follow somebody who you cannot trust. And you cannot trust somebody unless you have a relationship with that person. Many people sitting here know the scripture very well. They know the promises of God very well. But the problem is they do not really know the God behind the promises. Therefore, they have no trust. So when trouble comes, you automatically move into the world or the arm of flesh for help and not go to him because you know him and you trust him. Understand, God says you need to build your relationship with me. Otherwise, I cannot reveal my will to you. So faith and prayer focus is in building a relationship with God so that I can know and do his will. Until Moses turned to God, God did not reveal to himself to him. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses, Here I am. What's God talking about? There is this burning bush, and the bush is on fire, but the bush is not being consumed. That's how most people see God. He's consuming fire. But from that fire, a voice speaks. From that fire, a voice speaks. But people have only known him as fire. Oh, he's fire. You can't hear his voice. What did Paul say? On the road to Damascus, he and a group of people were going and he appeared to me like 10,000 sons. And then he spoke. Did his companions understand? No. They understood nothing. Because none in that crowd was seeking the will of God or a relationship with God. This man was. Through the law, he was seeking the will of God. And God spoke to him. The others didn't. So there is this fire. There must have been hundreds of shepherds in the wilderness that day. They all saw the fire and they said, Oh, fire, fire. But this man turned aside and then he heard a voice from the fire speaking to him. Moses, Moses. The fire is just a sign. Literature. God is the signifier. The fire is just a sign. We look at the sign and says, wow, I saw fire. God says, yeah, but Moses heard my voice. Did you hear my voice? Listen to what is written in the Gospel according to John in chapter 2 and verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in the Cana of Galilee. What did he do? He turned the water into wine. It was just a sign. There were eight miracles in the Gospel according to John. Seven before resurrection, one after resurrection. And the Gospel according to John calls them all signs. These are all signs with the simple purpose that we will not run after the sign, we will run after the signifier, the one behind the sign, that's the purpose of miracles it's not an end in itself, but what does a sign mean? it always points to something greater, but the point is, what are we seeking? what are we looking? every miracle should us make us hungry more for God instead we become hungry for miracles So we seek miracle workers and miracle meetings. Every deliverance should make us even more hungry for God. Instead we attend more and more deliverance meetings. Why? We are only being delivered, but we are not meeting the deliverer. We are only experiencing miracles, but we are not experiencing the God behind the miracles. But God said these are all signs. That is not what you were supposed to seek. My purpose of creating you, redeeming you so that you would seek me. And then know that all you needed was me all the way. Everything God has commanded in the Bible is aimed with one object that we may know him. Let me ask you this question for those who seek holiness. Which is nice, very good, objective. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless. For what? Why do you seek holiness if you don't seek the God of holiness? There are plenty of people. In other religions you are very sanctified very holy in their habits. Do they know God? No, they sought holiness for holiness sake. And there are many in the kingdom of God who seeks holiness for holiness sakes. No, you seek holiness because you are seeking the God who is holy. That is the purpose for everything that you seek in the kingdom. So God says, unless you are interested in knowing me, you will not desire to keep my will, even if I reveal it to you. Understand? That's why so so many people, even within the church, even in this church, they look at God as a joy killer. Yet Jesus says something different. Matthew 11 and verse 30. What does he say? Matthew 11 and verse 30. Richie shall be fast. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Do you see it that way? This is the will of God. The will of God is a yoke. And along with the will of God, there is a burden he puts on your shoulder. Does he, Do you see it as easy? Do you see it as light? No, we don't. Most people don't. Why? Ask Jesus, is your father's yoke light? Was your burden easy? He will say yes. You mean it was easy? He said yes. Was the burden light? Even the cross was light? He said, yes. But why? Because he says, because I love him with all my heart, with all my might, with all my strength. And he loves me the same way. And I know it. I experience it always. Therefore, his burden was light. His yoke was easy. And I love doing it. Because all I want is to please him. All I want is to please him. So if you are seeking the will of God outside the relationship with God, then you will see His yoke is hard and His burden is unbearable. That's why people quit ministry. More than any other profession. Because you have, you want to continue in ministry, ever not feeling the yoke being hard and the burden being too heavy, you have to continue in your relationship with Him ongoing relationship with him. So that you can be like Apostle Paul, the one who has suffered most for the gospel, is able to look in the light of the relationship. These are momentary afflictions. For your sake, I will tell you these many times, I got beaten, broken, thrown, famine, starving, stripped, and naked, naked, left naked, in the desert, in the sea, in the river, everywhere. But what do I call all of that? Momentary afflictions. Why? Because of who it was for and because of how I love him and how he loves me. It is based on a relationship and unless you put that first, I'm telling you this Christian walk which should be the most joyful walk will be a burden. Be sad. We can't change scripture. God will demand a lot from you but it all becomes What 1st Thessalonians 1-3 calls, it becomes a labor of love. Labor of love. They're not the same. Can I have that? 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 if I'm right. Faith has works. Love has labor. Love has labor. Remember without ceasing your work of faith. What do we want? Work of faith. We all want work of faith. What did, Oh Lord, I wish I could do what Jesus did. What do you want to do? I want to heal the sick. I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead. I want to cleanse the lepers. I want to feed the multitudes. What are all this? Works of faith. And then God says, "You're going to be whipped. You are going to be talked ill about. People are going to slander you like nothing until you are of no reputation. And then I will give you a few whippings, a few days in jail or maybe a few years in jail. All this, Lord, that is not a work of faith. He says, no, that's a labor of love. Are you willing? Paul says, yes, Lord, I am willing. I am willing. No issues. work of faith, labor of love. Is connected with a relationship. And in the process, you're absolutely sure about that person. So in patience, you have hope, knowing one day glory will be revealed. I know him. I know him. How long? I don't know. But one day it will happen because my God has promised. It comes from a relationship. And without a relationship, all this becomes tiring. So don't try to do things which you have to do. Keep the standard will of God along with seek His face. Seek His face. Seek His face. And that's what Jesus' whole life is. And second, only after surrender where there is no surrender there is no experiencing of His will or knowing His will. That's what Romans 12 1 and 2 says. I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, you present, you do it. God won't do it. God, if He wants, He can do it. One word from heaven, all are robots. So walking around like this, doing the will of God, He says no. I don't want robots. That I give unto Pastor Vijay, I don't want robots. That's why he's got a PhD in robotics. God says no. I want. A, I have a PhD in humanity. Okay. I want people who will, on their own, on their own, daily. Surrender their bodies and their minds to me and only those who have surrendered will start appreciating the will of God. First they find it, it is good. Then they find it is not only good, it is really acceptable. And finally when there is total surrender and there is a lot of pain in the physical and suffering in the physical but they understand this is perfect. It's perfect. The stages of knowing the will of God. So the will of God is specific both for the young and for the old. Not general. A lot of young people try to keep standard will of God when there is a specific will of God for you. lot of older people have lived the standard will of God thinking that I am too old for God to have a purpose. God says no. That's not true. In Joel 2.25 God says if you forgot what is a specific, no. 25, not 22. So I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten. Because the locusts ate all those years. Maybe you are 80 years old. And today you heard the message and realized, I am 80. I didn't realize I had a specific will of God. And you are looking, the locusts have eaten. God says, don't worry. I will restore all the years the locusts have eaten. Some of the greatest people in the Bible used of God, was used of God in their old age, when they realized, this is the will of God for me. Moses was not used at 40. He was used at 80. Abraham was not used at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or he had to be 75 before he could be used. And he reaches his pinnacle at 100. Okay. The only thing is that whether you are young or old, can we say, Behold, O God, here I am to do your will. Everything in our lives should be turned towards that. If God has to work in us and work through us, because He doesn't push anybody. He speaks to us. He tells us we have to surrender to His ways. And then God says, Okay, I'm there with you. If you get our hearts right with God, the will of God will find us. You don't have to find the will of God. I preached that many years back or many months back. You don't have to find the will of God. The will of God will find you. The will of God found Jacob. Not Jacob the will of God. Remember Genesis 31.3 And Lord said to Jacob, Get up, go back. Your work is over here. I wanted to first get you to the standard will. You are a tough, indisciplined student. And I knew I couldn't straighten you in your father's house. I needed a good, hard teacher. So I picked Sir Laban. Laban Sir. Then he had two assistants called Madam Leah and Madam Rachel. And I said, you use these three one to get you to my standard will. Now get up and fulfill your specific will. Arise, go. You got a call of up God upon your life. Understood? That's how it works. The thing is that God is still working on many with Laban's and Rachel's and Leah's and hasn't straightened us out. Okay? God was sovereignly in control during all that time. Though Laban and his sons were evil. God was using these people to mold Jacob so that Jacob would fulfill God's purpose in his life. Arise and go. Same with Joseph. God is not holding his will, hiding his will from us. He's trying to get us to that point where we will come, where we will recognize it and be willing to do it. Willing to, he's trying to get us there. To the point where we will recognize it. And be willing to do it. Because guidance is promised very clearly. Psalm 32 verse 8 says. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my. It's a very. Very interesting thing. First I will instruct you. Then I will teach you in the way you should. Go. And I will guide you. With my. Eye. For those of us who been married. And know your spouses well. You know when there are people around. We don't say anything. We just communicate with our eyes. And they get it. You don't have to speak a word. Once you know the other person. Okay. Understood it. Okay. First I will instruct you. Then I will teach you. After that you know me so well. I will instruct you with my eye. It's based on a relationship. I will instruct you with my Eye. To the blinded masses within the kingdom, God may use what? A pillar of light. Otherwise they won't follow. <laughs> a pencil of light, and a pen of life, and tiny beam won't do. They need a search light. Then only they will go, Oh, pillar has come. They all follow. Or if it is daytime, what has to be? An umbrella won't do. One cloud. That's what scripture says. How did he lead Israel in the desert? At night with a pillar of light and daytime with a cloud. That's all they will follow. But to the one who is grown, he can speak differently because he knows him and that person knows God. In First Kings chapter 19, verse 11 and 13, he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Okay? He didn't go. You listen carefully, read carefully, he didn't go. When God first told it. And behold the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore in the mountains. And broke the rock in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. But what did he say? Go out and stand on the mountain. There was a terrible wind. There was a terrible earthquake. There was a terrible fire. This is what the mass wants. Oh, wind has come. Tsunami has come. Lord, have mercy. Fire comes. Oh, Lord. Judgment has begun. Earthquake comes. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. This man did not move. Three things. Terrible things. He didn't move. And scripture says, after that, a still small voice. And what does word 13 say? So it was, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood. He heard that voice. He knew that voice. He knew that voice. It's been a very familiar voice. Soon as he heard this voice, he went out, stood in the entrance of the cave, and the voice came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This was the voice he had heard in the wilderness of Tishbe. This was the voice he had heard when he had cried out to God for mercy upon Israel. This was the voice which had told him, Day has come, go stand before Ahab and you speak with my voice saying, Until the word of the Lord comes from my mouth, there will be neither dew nor rain in this land. This was the voice as soon as he obeyed, telling Ahab that told him, Turn eastward and hide in the chariot. This was the voice he heard in the wilderness chariot says, Arise and go to Zarephath where I have prepared a widow to feed you. This was the voice that came when he was with the widow which told him, arise and go meet Ahab and tell him to bring his priest to Mount Carmel. I will have an encounter with the false prophets. He knew that voice. You don't need thunder. You don't need lightning. You don't need a pillar of light or a cloud. There is a God who speaks personally and individually to those who are interested in a relationship with him. That's the God you and I serve. This is the purpose of seeking God. This is the purpose of our salvation then God will speak to us concerning our specific will. And he will ask, you Elijah, what are you doing here? Can you say I came to hear your voice? No. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be here Elijah. Shouldn't be? You know me better than that. My instructions to you are very very clear. You shouldn't be here. You should have been in some other place but but because you buckled under fear and ran. Now what do you have to do Elijah? Go back the way you came. You will meet a few people. One of them is Elijah the son of Elisha the son of Shaphat. Anoint him to take your place. Train him. The masses need clouds. The masses needs fire. They will cry out in fear. Oh why did you bring us over here? The Pharaoh behind us, the Red Sea before us, but he says, they are crying. But Moses, why are you crying? Don't you know me? Why are you crying? Lift up your rod. You know me. You have a personal relationship with me. We talked face to face at the fire. I told you I am anointing you and setting you ahead of them you go, lift up your hands and part the waters for the masses because the masses don't know me. You know me. This is to what God is calling us, every one of you, so that you will know God personally and then you will go into your colleges, your schools, your workplaces and you will stand there as somebody who knows God so that the others can set you free. Others can be set free through you. And it all starts with one thing. With surrender, with willingness to do the will of God. You and I don't do the will of God first. First, we express the willingness to do the will of God. That's how we do it. God doesn't show the will of God and say, Lord, go do it. No, he says, first I say, Lord, I am willing. I am willing. God says, you're willing? Yes, Lord, I am willing. And God knows my heart. You don't have to worry about how much willing you are. Even if you think you're 100% willing, God knows you're only 50% willing. He knows. But first you have to be willing. If you are willing, God says, then I will start opening up my word for you because that is the will of God for you. I will start speaking to you scripture so that through the same scripture as Jesus fulfilled scripture, you too will fulfill the same scripture in your life. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 7 and verse 17. He says, if anyone, what is that? If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know what doctrine is. He shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. First thing he says is that you have to will to do his will. That's why the disciples could understand. The Pharisees who were the teachers of the law became always to hear the word, but to question the word. They were not willing to do the will of God. Are you questioning in your mind even as you are hearing the will? It doesn't have to be that way. When you come here, are you a critic? Are you a critic of the word? Why are you looking at says, yes Lord, you're speaking through human vessels, but he may go wrong at places, but I have come to do your will. So whatever he speaks, which is aligned with your word, Lord, I want to hear, open my ears, I am willing. Because no man of God is 100% perfect, but the God of that man who speaks through that man is always 100% perfect. Understand that. That's the difference. Doesn't matter who the vessel is. You say, Lord, you speak to me through that vessel. You speak to me. I have come to do your will. And God says, you know what he spoke? He spoke for one hour, 30 minutes. But listen to this, 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 this what he says is what I am telling you. Go do it. It will work for you. That's where it begins. Are you willing to do the will of God? Are you willing? Crowds gather around to hear God's teaching. How many were there left at the last? 11 of them. They were willing to do The will of God. People always ask this question. After Jesus arose. Why didn't he show himself to the world? Because when he was living. They were not willing to do the will of God. Why should he reveal to them after he is dead? But after he is dead. Scripture always writes. He revealed himself to his. Disciples. Those who are willing to do his will. He still reveals himself to his disciples. He still does. He hasn't changed. He still does. If you are willing to do the will of God, it begins with willingness. If I don't understand doctrine, God's doctrine, whole Bible is doctrine, how will I do the will of God? First you and I have to be willing. We are not willing. God tells in his Bible about Israel. They have become dull of fearing. Are we willing? Isn't that what God told Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 to Israel? What did he say? If you're willing, you shall eat the good of the land. What is that? You will fulfill the perfect will of God. If you're willing. Ultimately, you will experience the best of what God has to offer you on earth and the very best on the other side because you're willing. You're willing. This is what God tells about David in 1 Samuel 13, 14. Now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. The Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept. What is God? Who is God speaking to? God is speaking to Saul through Samuel. He says God has picked a man after his own heart. I know there is another man and that man is willing. He's a willing kid. He's a willing kid. That's the first thing God looks. God is not looking for perfection here. God is not looking for holiness here. God is not looking for any of those things. God is first looking. Is there anybody who is willing? If you are not willing, what is the point of perfection and maturity and holiness and all that? It's No. It's an end in itself. He's looking. Is there somebody here willing? And he says, I found a young kid. He's willing. He's When it came to the general will of God, let me tell you, when it came to the general will of God, there were much better men and women in Israel than David. Much better men. Even Uriah was better than David. But when it came to willingness, there was none like him. There was none like him. Therefore, in spite of all his faults and failures, God could restore him and use him till the end. Therefore, it is written in Acts chapter 13, it is written in 26, men, now 36, 13, 36, they give you 26, 36. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, and he died, he died. He was buried with. The, he served his generation after the will of God. When he is old, when it's time for every king like him to retire and start training the next one to take over and have an easy life, he sees, hears from God. God says, "No, you will not." Build the temple. Your son will build the temple. The rest of his life, he's gathering all the provisions to build the temple. And when the time comes for him to leave, he calls King Solomon and says, Solomon, I know you, you've been chosen to build the temple, but I also know you as a father. I know you don't have the strength to complete it, so I have done half the work. One, here is the supply. Two, I sought the Lord, I heard from the Lord, here is the plan for the temple. You go build it. What a man. How easy. How easy. For Solomon to build. Supply. Plan. Get the builders. Build it. Who brought it all? David. Why? Because God told him you will not build. But God says I know you. You won't get offended. I know that. You are willing. You only told. He's like we are looking in this thing. Oh pastor told me not to do it. Fine. Thank you. Why? Not David. God said don't build. Okay. God only said don't build. He didn't say don't gather the supply. Don't search for the plans.' He did everything else except build. We are on the other side. We are on the other extreme to say, God says, don't do. Thank you. Now I don't have to do anything. Here is the other man whose heart is tuned to God. God said, Don't do. He said, Yeah, God said, Don't do this. Along with this, there are so many things which I can do, and I'm going to do everything. What a man. That's so what he said in the beginning to King Saul, I have found a man who's willing. Found a man. That's what God is looking for everywhere. Is there somebody willing? Somebody, that's the key. That's the key. He okay, said so there were many, many better than David in Israel. And it came to other general will of God. He didn't keep the general will of God. He quoted that. Thou shall not commit adultery. He did that. Thou shall not murder. He did that. Thou shall not lie. He did that. Thou shall not commit. He did that. He did all that. You look at the Ten Commandments. He failed in all of it. One to ten he failed. I know. I know. You will all point at that but you don't know. I told you in the beginning. You look at his heart. That's a man who is willing and who loves me. I can correct him. These fellows who have no willingness in their heart doesn't matter how good they are. You can't do anything with them. So God says first thing when Auntie Rebecca has a little tumult in her womb, she goes and asks God. God says don't worry. Two nations. Two kids. And he says Jacob I have loved. Esau I have hated. Why? That fellow Jacob is a crook but he's willing. He's willing. You look at him. He's always seeking the things of God. Only thing his ways are crooked. I can straighten him. I have many teachers on the way for him. Esau, you can't teach him. He's like Cain. A wanderer all his life he'll be. He cannot be taught. He cannot be taught. I'll leave him alone. He cannot be taught. That's what God is talking about. Are we willing? Are we willing? Matthew 11, 29. Take my yoke upon me, learn from me, for I am meek, gentle, humble, and lowly. He says, I am meek and lowly. What is he saying, learn from me? He says, Jesus learn from me. Okay, I am going to study the word. He says, no. That is not what I meant. That comes later. He says, learn from me. This, learn. I am meek and lowly in the heart. Learn that from me. Learn to be meek. Learn to be humble. Then I can teach you. Learn from me. Learn how to be meek. Why is it so important in the kingdom? In Psalm 25 and verse 9, scripture says, the humble he guides and the humble he teaches his way. Are you meek? Are you humble? Can you be taught? Can you be taught? Even John the Baptist, when it came to teaching, there was a limit. You can teach John the Baptist if he's free. If you put him in prison, he's unteachable. He's unteachable. The greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Unteachable. Why? He's put in prison. Are you the one to come? Or should we look for somebody else? Unteachable. Are we teachable? Are we meek? Can we meekly receive the word of God? James chapter 1 verse 21. What does James say? Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God. Meekness. Meekness. This is all is connected with the will of God. If you are not meek, you cannot be taught. Cannot be taught. We'll acquire knowledge and the problem is knowledge makes you proud. It's a danger. The problem of the house of God, the word of God is like a two-edged sword. If it doesn't cut you, then you will cut others. If you are not humble, the word of God has not taught you, but now the word of God has gone into your head and now you think, oh, you are not good enough for my fellowship. I cannot fellowship with you. I am seeking the Lord now. It's apart from the fellowship. Knowledge has gone up. Knowledge has gone up. The meek can be taught. Kingdom of God is full of knowledgeable people. God is looking for the meek. For the meek. Ruth was meek. She had a very harsh teacher called Madam Naomi. But she was meek. And she could be taught off. Can he be like that? Can be taught? What if your teacher is a hard teacher? That's what people, everybody, that uh, servant who hid his talent, remember what he told about God? You are a very hard master. That's what I hear people always say about, Pastor, brother Zach Purnan. Oh, he's a very hard teacher. No, you are, he's not a hard teacher. He's a very nice teacher. The problem is you are a hard-hearted person who listens to him. He's a wonderful teacher of the word. But the problem is you are not meek. And you put the fault on the Teacher. What does the teacher have to do with your learning? He teaches and he goes. The problem is will you receive the learning or not? The teacher doesn't even know in the kingdom of God whether you have learned or not because he never gives you an exam. Does I give, do I give you an exam? I don't know whether you have learned or not but God knows. So it's got nothing to do with the teacher. It's got to do with us individually. Naomi was a very hard teacher. Harsh teacher. A bitter teacher. There are so many teachers in classrooms like this. You know, have you been in classrooms? I was a classroom teacher. I loved my students, honestly, I loved my students. But when I go to my class, the teachers are all sitting like this. And I said, "What happened?" You "No, know, sir," James, the earlier teacher who came was mad at us, and she was shouting at us. I said, "Don't worry. Probably her husband shouted at her at in the home. She came and took it out on you. That's all." worry. Let's have a good time. Let's learn. There are teachers like that. They have a mad time at home and they come and give it to the children. Not God. That's got nothing. But I asked them. She was hard at you, right? Yeah. But did she teach you maths? Uh, She did. Was maths correct what she taught? Yeah. So what's your problem? You came to study maths, right? Not to enjoy your teacher. What did you come for? Maths. Whatever she taught you was right, right? So your job is not to look at the teacher's attitude. Your job is to learn mathematics and go home. Receive with meekness The implanted word which is able to save your soul. The word is able to save your soul. But there is something that is in your hands. You have to receive it with meekness. There is no problem with the word. Whichever teacher it comes from. The issue is with my heart. If I don't receive the word of God with meekness. It has no power to save my soul. I stopped it. On the other hand, the word of God is living. It will not go void. It will always achieve the purpose. What is the purpose? It is to make some people meek, some people proud. The word of God is forever doing its work. No, I went to the word of God. I listened to it and nothing happened to me. Really? It didn't work in you the positive. It always does the other work. It doesn't go neutral. That's what, what I said. That's what God said. So can you be led? Because that's what the will of God is, right? Ultimately, we can be led by God. Scripture says in Romans 8, 14, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Can you be led where you don't even understand? The problem with leading is this. When it comes to leading, we automatically confuse, if I have to be led, I have to understand. When I take a little child with me. Does the child understand? What do you do? You hold it by hand and say, follow me. All the child has to do is willing to follow. Somewhere along the way it starts understanding where we are going. That is what scripture says about Abraham. He went, going, without knowing where he was going. That is being led. Does that mean he entered his life like that? Okay, what are you, Abraham? How old are you? 175. Why? Why I'm going to die without knowing why I came here in the first place. Will you say that? No. Somewhere along the way, he found where he was going, what he was to do, and he fulfilled his purpose. Can you be led? Listen to the lady who started all this process in Christendom. Listen to her. Okay? Luke chapter 134. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Poor young girl, 16, 17 year old young girl said, Oh blessed are you of all women, you shall bear a son and he shall be called the son of the most. <laughs> all I know is that connected with pregnancy you need a man. How can it be I don't know a man? Very simple answer. Very simple answer, okay. Listen to what the angel says. For with God is nothing will be impossible. He explained. With God nothing is impossible. Now, Who understands before or after the only Immaculate Conception? Does anybody understand Immaculate Conception? The power of the Almighty shall overshadow you, and what is conceived in you shall be of the Holy One, and he shall call be the Son of God. Do you understand anything? Even your biology teacher cannot explain it. Okay? Angel said, Mary, I am explaining to you, but I know you don't understand, but let me tell you something which you understand. What is that? Nothing is impossible with? She said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. I am willing. I am? I don't understand. I don't understand. But I am willing. That's the key. I don't understand. I am willing. That's what God is asking. You don't understand. I also don't understand. So many things I don't understand. But the question is, are you willing? This Sunday, God is asking one question. Are you willing? Do you trust me? Do you believe with me there is nothing that is impossible? I'm not going to tell you in advance where I'm taking you, what you will do and all. But my first question, the first thing i look for in anybody's heart, whether it is a child, or whether it is a young man, or whether it is an older person, are you willing? To a young child sitting here, five or six or seven or eight, it may be your parent or your guardian who tells you. Like I tell the little one every time when I come like holder, I whisper in your ear, Grandpa is going to preach. She's going, in her language, I am going to hallelujah. Okay? You are supposed to be quiet and not say papu, papu, papu. That's all. That's it. Okay? What do you think Samuel understood? Mama, Dada and all the others are going to Shillo. We are not going. No, baby, we are not going. Okay? I am preparing you. When the time comes... Mama will take you to Shiloh and I will leave you at the temple. There will be an old priest. You have to listen to everything that he says as you listen to everything that I say here. That's all you have to do. Learn to listen, Samuel. Learn to listen, Samuel. Don't partake of this. Don't partake of this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Listen to what I am saying. Do it. Do it. Four years, five years, weaning is over, puts a little effort on him, makes the journey to Shiloh, comes over there, meets Eli and says, here is the son I promised, I'm giving it back to God. Next day, Samuel is following old Eli. Old Eli. Just as he followed his mama, he followed Eli. God is looking at that little boy and said, that kid is willing. That kid is obedient. I need somebody in this land to begin the restoration of Israel. And in the night, he calls, Samuel, in the voice of Eli. That's why he runs to Eli. He didn't turn around saying, whose voice is it? I've never heard this voice before. In the voice of Eli. Eli, you call me? He said, no, no, go back to sleep. Third time, he understood. It is the Lord calling you directly. Samuel, what is God saying? First, I spoke to you through the voice of your mother. You listened. Next, I spoke to you through the voice of your pastor. You listened. Now, I am speaking to you directly because you were willing to listen to those other voices through whom I spoke. Now, I will speak to you directly. You are a willing kid. Now let me tell you Samuel what I have to tell about you. Now I am speaking to you. Tomorrow you will speak for me. And I promise you your words will never fall to the ground. It will be to Israel as God is speaking. That is God. That is this God we are looking for. That is this God we are seeking. That is this God we want to know. So the only question God asks you today is. Are you willing? are you willing? You cannot say, Lord, I am obedient. None of us are obedient. He will make us obedient. If you are not willing, how can you be obedient? That is all secondary. Are you willing? You can be honest before God and say, Lord, I am willing, but I am not obedient. Make me obedient. Lord, circumcise my heart. I will love you with all. I can't, but you said you would do it. One thing I can say is that I don't understand. But I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. That's all. I am willing. Begin your journey there. Young or old, begin your journey. Go on your knees before God and tell Him every day, Lord, A body you have prepared for me, your son said. Behold, I have come to do your will, Lord. Now, when you rose, you left your body behind. And I am one tiny part of that body. I want to do your will. I am willing. Speak to me. Speak to me. And it will start moving you. First, towards the general will of God says, You haven't done this. You have to do this. Okay, Lord do it, cheerfully, willingly. Do it, do it, don't do it, do it, do it. And when you have come to that maturity of obeying the general will of God, one day God will say and says, you know what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do You want me to do that, but uh, that is not in the word. Yes, it is not in the word. That is for you. That is for you. Many of the things written in the word of God for men and women when they were told first it was written first in the word of God. Moses was told about a rod. Nobody else was told about a rod. It's to Moses that was told first. What was told to Joshua was a first. What was told to Gideon was a first. What will be told to you and to me, will be a first. It will be a first. And say, Lord, with the stick." Yes. Moses. But nobody has done no. Nobody has done before. You are the first. You are the first. God's specific will for you begins with this. Are you willing? Are you willing? That's why God says, if you are willing, and you are obedient, his best follows for us. Shall we stand? Father, this morning, we come to you. All one we want to say is. We are willing. We don't even know what it means. Mary did not know what it means when she said she was willing. Moses when he went with that rod because he was willing did not have any clue what the rod would bring forth. No clue. When Gideon was told to stand up And cut down that Asherah pole in front of his father's house. He had no clue what it would mean to be willing. All these men of God were just willing. They did not know what would follow. But they knew one thing. The God who called them was faithful. Some had weak faith like Abraham. Some had strong faith like David. Some were very timid like Gideon. But because they were willing, in their weakness, you became their strength. And you worked through each of those weak vessels. We are standing here not as strong vessels, we are standing here as weak vessels. We are not standing here full of knowledge about who you are and how you work. We are standing here with one hope, one facet of your character which is revealed that nothing is impossible with God. That nothing is impossible with the man or woman who believes in that God. We are standing up and declaring all we are willing and we believe. We believe you, Lord. I don't know what the future holds for any one of these dear ones who are standing young or old, but who knows? And you have appointed a future and an end for each one of them. And there is a crown at the end of the journey. And you have also told us, don't let anybody else steal our crown. I pray that each one of them will know your will. For their lives. And will run that race. With endurance. With perseverance. With joy. And complete that race oh Lord. But they are standing up today in your house. Declaring one thing. We are willing. We are willing. We cannot say Lord honestly we are obedient. But we stand today say we are willing. Now cause us, as your word promises, cause us through your spirit to walk in your ways. Make us obedient. Cause us to walk in your ways. All we can say is, Lord, we are willing. I believe you have heard everyone who has prayed from their heart. And I know you are a prayer answering God. Start Begin, continue that work in each one of us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. That we would not have run this race in vain. That we would not have received your grace in vain. As we go into another week, pray you would stretch forth your hand and bless your people. And keep your people. Protect your people. Above all, speak to your people. Give us the ability to hear from you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We just bless your holy name. We just bless your holy name. We just bless your holy name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.